Welcome back. As I promised last episode, I was going to talk about buying stocks on the quote, pops and drops, unquote. First, though, I thought I'd cover a couple of terms you may or may not be familiar with. The first one is market correction. The definition of a market correction is when the stock market goes either up or down by 10%. They historically happen about once a year, but in our current bull market, we've not had a correction now for over four years, since 2015. A correction has a shorter duration for recovery than, say, a bear market or a recession. The recovery period for a correction is usually about three to five months. Now, I also just use the term bear. So you've heard the terms bull and bear markets. So before moving forward, let me explain the bull and bear market terminology. I'm sure you've heard this before, and you've probably seen the big bull on Wall Street in Manhattan. Well, a bull market is when the stock market is increasing over a period of time, and a bear market is when the stock market is decreasing over a period of time. A 20% correction usually indicates a bull or a bear market. Now remember, it's not a straight line going up or down. It can take time and have volatility and have some good days or weeks, uh, but overall is a trending down for a bear and up for a bull. Now, a fun fact, but true, they say a bull market is because a bull will raise its horns defensively in the air when attacking, therefore moving up. And a bear will swipe down defensively, moving down. That's really about as simple as it is, but uh, interesting fun fact. But most importantly is that when there is a bull market, consumer confidence is high, there's great optimism for the future. And when there's a bear market, there's much more pessimism about the economy and the future of stocks all driven by economic indicators such as GDP, interest rates, unemployment. There are investors that use the bear market as a strategy, or what they call those guys, those folks, those people, are short sellers. A short seller is an investment or trading strategy that speculates on the decline in a stock or any other security. It really is an advanced strategy that should be undertaken by only experienced traders and investors. I've never done it, and I doubt I ever will. It's hard enough to pick stock winners with all the fundamentals I look at. Trying to pick stocks declining it really isn't a strategy that even sounds fun to me. In short selling, a position is opened by borrowing shares of a stock or other asset that the investor believes will decrease in value by a future set date. So you have to set up your account to be a margin buyer and seller, and they usually make you take a little test and do some reading on it because the investor then sells these borrowed shares to the buyers willing to pay the market price. Before the borrowed shares must be returned on the expiration date, the trader is betting that the price will continue to decline and that they can purchase them at a lower cost. The risk of a loss on a short sale is theoretically unlimited since the price of any asset can climb to infinity. This is not in my wheelhouse and it's certainly not a, a low risk strategy, but I thought I'd cover it in terms of a uh, uh, um, definition of something you would want to at least know. So moving on, I want to talk about buying stocks on a pullback. I spoke to this a little bit last session, but I thought I would expand on it a bit. I usually see a pullback after a quarterly report that didn't meet analyst expectations, and you can see the stock gets beat up. Now, I find this an interesting whole topic because Say there's 30 analysts and they're all saying, looking at the same data and they all have expectations for what the quarter was going to be. And then when the company doesn't meet that expectation, the market beats them up for it in terms of their price. I kind of have always thought that it's the analyst that didn't do a very good job. The company probably did a pretty decent job. So 
when I see that though, and if it, if it's a, a stock that doesn't necessarily deserve to go down and it was just gonna be short term, I call that a pullback. I'll take my most recent example of this. Uh, Domino's Pizza, a while, a few months ago, reported great numbers in the U.S., but did not meet expectations globally. And it missed the analysts' expectations by 3%. Stock went down by 10% in one day. This is a great opportunity, I felt, because their business is solid, and I bought in because I felt that there was irrational selling of the stock based on a quarterly review. I love to buy good companies with good metrics on a stock that didn't deserve to decline, to, to decline. So while others panic and get out of it, I'm more than willing to pick it up at a lower price. So it kind of brings me to my next strategy, which is pops and drops. And I use that as a, my vernacular. I don't, don't know if anybody else does, but there's a difference between owning a stock for investment and buying a stock to trade. So pops and drops is buying a stock to trade. Let me be very clear here. I don't hold all my metrics against all the stocks I buy in this arena 100% of the time. The biggest difference between this strategy and the buy and hold is that you have to really pay attention to the market. Best would be every day or you know a couple times a week, but you really need to be in the game to take advantage of the strategy. But first, let me explain more about the strategy. Stocks trade in a range from the high to the low not 52-week high or 52-week low, but in a margin. Some in a very narrow margin and some in a wider margin. But almost every stock does not have a complete straight up going up the hill making money. This is a strategy where your entry point needs to be where there's a pullback in the stock price and an expectation of the price recovering. So I worked for a company which was heavily, I was heavily invested in it, their stock. So I watched it every day. And over time, you could see there was a very specific range the stock would trade in. Even when it was going higher, it traded within specific ranges over the span of weeks, months, or even years. The idea is to buy the stock at its range low price and then sell it at the higher price or the higher point of the range. Now, I know that those will vary, and this is not absolute ranges and numbers, but after a while, trust me, you'll see some pretty consistent ranges for a specific stock. I usually look for growth stocks in this arena, uh, I had mentioned in an earlier podcast that growth stocks are hard to find, but some of the stocks I do this with are in technology. They seem to be a little bit volatile, and so it can be swung up or down, and so when I see the downswing, I might jump in. Some of those stocks might be Apple, NVIDIA, Google, Netflix, or maybe Facebook. Uh, a lot of these stocks, if you've been paying attention, have had some big run-ups in price and some pretty hefty downturns. So the above-mentioned stocks at this writing are working well for me with this strategy, and I'll continue to do this. But to be clear, not with my whole portfolio. And in fact, with a fairly small amount of my portfolio. But I can take a small amount of money, and I can make an, or double it inside of weeks or months. Now, I kind of call this my play money. And I'll take that, and it gives me actually a, a lot of insight into the market and makes me... Uh, have fun doing this. Let me give you another example. A friend of mine told me about a stock called Gilead, and it's a pharmaceutical company. I looked at it, didn't fit my metrics or criteria. I told him, nah, it's not the stock for me, but I continued to watch it, and I saw its range, and it kept rising and then pulling back, meaning one week it would be at $100 a share, and the next week at $90 a share. I watched it every day for at least a month to get a good feel for where the resistance of the high price and the resistance of the low price was. When I was comfortable enough, I bought 100 shares at the low. It had been resisting about 90 bucks. 
Well, the stock rose to 105 in 10 days or so, and I sold it. Nice 16% profit. I kept it in my radar, and sure as heck, it went back down to about 95. So I bought it again, and then it went up to 110. And that is, this is a real example of a stock I owned at least 10 times, buying on the drop and selling at the pop. I made a nice sum of money in three or four months on this one particular stock. Well, what happened is this stock rose to 150 and then fell to 70. Now, to be fair in this story, I bought the stock as it was dry, dropping again, and I was thinking the resistance would be about 90 to 100, and I bought it at 100. I was wrong. It had dropped further, and I think I got out at around 85, taking a loss on that trade. However, for all the trades, I still had a positive profit for the overall strategy on the stock. Now, this is key to understand. Let's compare it to my friend who gave me the tip on the stock. He has an investment advisor, and he's a solid buy and hold guy. I mean solid. L let me say it this way. He doesn't sell any of his stocks ever, okay? Now, that's worked for him, and, and I've talked about it in previous podcasts. It's, it's a great strategy. I think he has some Apple. He bought it $7. But for this particular story in this stock, Let's assume he got in at 100, and I really don't know what he got in, but let's just assume he did for, for sake of dis discussion. It pops and drops, and he has not made any money or lost any money because it's all paper money. Let's say he had 100 shares and it goes to 150. He, well, he's still holding the paper. It was a nice win. But with his strategy, he still owns the 100 shares. And now that it's trading at 70, he saw a range of was well, making a lot of money. Now, if he bought it at 100, I'm losing money. Ned, however was that his $100 share investment has not made him a dime in that whole roller coaster. And in fact, if he sold today, he would be losing money. Full stop, the great thing about that stock is it did at that time pay a dividend. So there's the benefit to owning dividend stocks. Using my strategy, however, I made money just buying and selling on the pop and drop strategy. I don't own that stock today simply because I don't really see a reason for it to grow again. I believe he still owns it, and I've moved on, and I've got real profit in my pockets. This is not an exact science, and weird things can and do happen. I've tried to put stocks into my pop-and-drop strategy, and they will go down below my investment price and stay there, and that was the Gilead example I just gave. I've had some stocks that just continue to climb, and while I do sell and anticipate the drop, it just never comes. So I either move on to another stock, or I buy it again after I've taken my original profit. Boeing was a good example of that one for me. Then there was a stock called NVIDIA. I got this stock on my radar from one of my TV pundit shows, Kramer, on CNBC. And I looked at it, and it didn't fit my metrics to invest, so I thought I'd keep an eye on it for my pop-and-drop strategy. So here, here's some math, and I'm saying this at a different time than I wrote this, but as of this writing, it had a 52-week low of 55, and it had been trading around $100 plus a share. They had a quarterly report, you know, that famous quarterly report, and the stock dropped to around 80 bucks. This particular pundit was livid and articulated that this stock simply did not deserve to drop because the report was not that bad. He explained it was either artificial intelligence trading or emotional trading, but it was, it was not going to stay down. I figured this would be a good entry point, and it was. Sure as heck, it recovered quickly and shot up to 120. After that, I didn't get many drops, but I did get a few pullbacks and bought and sold. As of now, I like this stock so much, even though it doesn't fit my metrics, I just recently bought it at 166. Now, I've written this over some months, and now this is in the summer of 2018, and Nvidia was trading at 257. 
So it was popping and dropping all the way up. Now, what's funny to me is I think I've said I've been studying and writing for almost seven years. And the last few minutes, well, the strategy holds true. The prices haven't. 2019, and now I haven't owned NVIDIA for several years, but I finally bought it again, as I just mentioned. Down from the 257 from when it was in 2018, the point is, even though I hadn't owned it for years, I still had them on my watch list and I got back in. I must reiterate, you have to be in the game every day to use a strategy like this. And many folks either have no interest or not the time. But there's money that can be made selling pops and drops. Plus, it's fun, at least if you like making money. Which brings me to my next point. Have a short memory. I hate myself for this, but I have a long memory. And not a bad memory either. I can remember stuff I just don't want to. I can watch the stock ticker and see the current stock prices go across the bottom of the screen. And I can spot the ones immediately that I know I've lost money on. It'll go across the screen. And I've lost money on Home Depot, buying it, selling it at the wrong time. Or Smuckers, which is one that's been suffering. But I know exactly how much I invested that I know how much I lost. I can't get it out of my mind. I'm going to say, don't look at the ones that you lost money on. Look at the ones that you made money on and reflect on how did I make that good decision. Listen carefully. This is not an exact science picking stocks and not to belittle Home Depot or Smuckers. They're great companies. They're just examples of stocks for the brief time I owned them, I lost money. So don't dwell over your losses on a specific stock. It'll haunt you. Focus on the ones that made you money. Have a positive attitude. I think it's important and probably inherent with really rich people. I don't think Jamie Dimon, the CEO of JP Morgan, ever had a negative thought in his head. Again, I remember my dad saying, your portfolio is like a little boy walking up a hill. Look at the yo-yo. Don't look at the yo-yo. Look at the hill. A sound strategy shouldn't leave you wondering when to sell. Successful investing involves defensive selling to limit losses and protect gains from shrinking. And offensive selling to lock in gains while the stock is still in an uptrend. Choosing when to sell a stock can be a very difficult task. It is especially difficult because for most traders, it's hard to separate their emotions from their trades. The two human emotions that generally affect most traders concerning selling the stock are greed and fear of regret. Kind of like my poem, Twin Thieves That Rob You of Today. Greed wasn't one of them, but the ability to manage these emotions is key to becoming a successful investor. For example, many investors don't sell when a stock has risen 10 to 20% because they don't want to miss out on the returns that are due to come in the future. It's great. And the stock they pick may even be a bigger winner. But on the flip side, if the stock fell by 10 to 20%, a good majority of investors still don't sell because of their fear of regret where they were. If they sell and the stock proceeds to rebound, they'll just be kicking themselves. So when do you sell your stock? Well, that's a fundamental question that everybody struggles with. But you do need to take emotion out of your trading decisions. There are some commonly used methods that can help an investor make the process as mechanical as possible. And you can take a very uh, a strong approach to that. You can Google those approaches. Uh, they're usually uh, math-based and based on fundamentals. And I frankly don't use them. I use my own intuition. In these eight sessions I've recorded, it should give you a beginner's guide to buying and selling individual stocks and a couple simple strategies. I have some other topics that I'll return for, to for next sessions. However, I will ask those of you who are listening, if you do have questions or clarifications or topics you'd like to see me address, please get them to me and I'll, I'll see how I might be able to help. 
I think most of you listening to this are family and friends, so I think you all know how to get a hold of me. But at this point, it's my email is jkok7 at hotmail.com. Now, if you have critique that's negative, or I think it was my friend in Hawaii that said, uh, you can't fire me because I'm doing this for free, www.com. <laughs> I love that. Anyway, uh, thanks. Just trying to help. Thanks for taking your time out of your busy day to listen and take care and God bless.